Kevin Fiala faces the old club. I don't even know. John, is it, John Hovind joins me now. Is this Fiala's first trip back to Minnesota? I believe so, yes. I'd have to take a look at the schedule, but I believe it is. Okay. Before we get into the team and the matchup, I mean, everybody wants to talk trade deadline, and in the case of the Kings, I think it's fair because they've been connected to obvious situations. Here's how I feel. Chikrin, I don't think it's happening. People just connect these dots. This rumor's been out there in the ether for so long. Like, I don't even know how Blake and Armstrong would have a conversation. Hey, how are you? Do you want to talk about this again? Like, if it was going to get done, it would have been done by now. That is my opinion. But, but do you believe there's still smoke and fire there? Well, here's the thing. The Kings have interest. Um, there's more, most likely there's an offer sitting on the table that the Arizona Coyotes have passed on. And that's why I don't think that there's going to be, uh, there's a deal to be made between these two clubs. Uh, said many times here over the last couple of months. By the way, boom, it's great to be talking to you as well. It's uh, awesome to have you back. Uh, everybody Thank at SiriusXM and, you know, fans around uh, the NHL are happy to have you back on the airwaves and love talking to you. So I needed to get that out. But uh, in, in terms of the deal, you know, I've been saying for the last couple of months that while the Kings have a very deep prospect pool, people, which is why people love to say, oh, well, the Kings should be able to put together a competitive offer. Once you start to remove Quinton Byfield and Brant Clark from any potential deal, because they're not moving either of those two players, things become a little bit more complicated. And uh, that's why it looks like most other teams would be able to put a more compelling offer together. As well, you add in a first-round pick, the Kings aren't very interested in trading their first-round pick this summer after losing a pick last summer or dealing a pick away last summer in that Kevin Fiala deal. And uh, so now you're looking at a 2024 first-round draft pick. So you start to look at things from the L.A. Kings' perspective, what they would be putting on the table. You're talking about a 2024 first-round draft pick and then probably two, maybe three assets that come from players because Armstrong says he wants first-rounders, you know, first-round picks or – first round uh, selected players, you're talking about Velarde, you're talking about Kapari. Will the Kings Bjornfoot maybe? Do they want a defenseman in the deal? Sean Dersey is the most NHL ready defenseman um, you know, that they have available, but then they really would be limiting themselves. They're going to have to clear room in LA to make room for Jordan Spence next year. Mid next year to the following summer, they're going to have to clear room to make room for uh, Brent Clark as well. So, Rob Blake has work to do in front of him. It's probably just not coming at the trade deadline. That, that's the shortest answer possible. There's, a, there's an, or, uh, an offer on the table. If the Coyotes wanted to take that offer, they would have taken it by now. So you think the Kings will be comfortable going forward with what they have passing on deadline? Well, it's not that I think that they're comfortable. They do like what they have. But the one thing about Rob Blake that he's been pretty clear about is that he doesn't want to trade from a position of weakness, and he doesn't want to make a deal just for the sake of making the deal. So uh, they're not going to overpay. Again, back to that first rounder. You, you look at what happens at the trade deadline. Teams overpay oftentimes at the trade deadline. They're not making hockey trades. They want to trade for a player uh, that they can give up a first-round draft pick or, or, or a package of picks to be able to give them help. I just think that the prices are too high right now. Um, we continue to hear that from you know, various teams around the league. The prices are very high. So barring prices coming down, most likely what the L.A. Kings would be looking to do is add some depth, like they did last year with a Troy Stetcher-type move. They know they're going to want to add a little bit of depth on the left-hand side, but I would be very surprised. Unless things came together at the last minute and sort of fell into their lap, uh, I would be very surprised if the Kings took a big swing at the trade deadline. What I will 
uh, predict, though. I think the Kings will take a big swing over the summer, back to that clearing out that I was talking about, and you look back at the work that Rob Blake has done over the last two summers. He won the summer two years ago in getting uh, Deneau and Ardvidsson. He won the summer last year in getting the big fish in Kevin Fiala. I think the Kings will take another big swing this summer as they look to step forward uh, into being a Stanley Cup contender, hopefully next season. Well, maybe they got the pieces already. These numbers are outstanding. I mean, no one's calling them the 85 Oilers just yet. But, I mean, you look at the win streak they're on. They've got 22 goals in their last four games, which is huge. Eight goals on the power play. And in their last eight games, they've scored at least four goals in seven of them. What's got the offense fired up? Well, just to correct something I said earlier, Boom, actually the Kings did go into Minnesota earlier in the year. Uh, with Kevin Fiala, there was okay. a big game, I think a 7-6 seven to, seven to six final back in October. The Kings' offense has not been the problem this year. This team has been able to produce goals at, at, a, at a pretty almost historic pace when you think about the L.A. Kings and uh, their lack of offense. And, you know, they've been a 3-2 team forever, over a decade now. But balanced scoring. You know, Kevin Fiala, he's playing on the third line, which is still rather mind-boggling when you think about what the Kings gave up to get him and what they paid him with the contract extension you wouldn't have thought that he would be on the third line, but it's almost worked out perfectly having him play on the third line. It didn't click right away with Andre Kopitar, much like it didn't click with Victor Arvidsson uh, up there either. Kopitar has his wingers. Kempe is on pace to produce 30 goals again this year. So that line is set. The Deneau and, and Arvidsson line, you know, they always come through. They've been consistent. They were the Kings' best line last year. Putting Kevin Fiala on the third line has given the Kings a balanced attack. Gabe Velarde, who started on the fourth line when he came back from injury, He's been up on that third line at different times. We'll have to see where he ultimately shakes out here going forward. Um, but they have more offense than they've had in the past. Fiala makes them dangerous. And let's not forget about the hiring of Jim Hiller and how much better the power play has been. The power play was terrible last year. It's been fantastic this year. Makes a huge difference when you're getting goals uh, on the power play with the man advantage. And also the fact that they've been able to put up early goals and play with a lead that gives them confidence, especially with some of their younger players, to be able to then produce later in the game as well. So the offense has looked very strong this year for the L.A. Kings. Uh, Byfield, I feel like I always ask you about him, but he's got three points in the last four games, all assists. But if you look at line assignments, they're giving him an opportunity to produce. Um, I, I watch him and I sense there's maybe a little more confidence right now. You like his game? Yeah, there certainly is more confidence. And, you know, for people that just look at the stat lines, they were expecting more points to come once they took him out of that third-line center role, moved him up to the top line, and they've had him playing wing alongside uh, Kopitar here for the last couple of weeks. And the interesting thing is, and I'm not saying this to make excuses for him by any stretch, but if you actually watch the games, he's been productive. It's not showing up on the stat sheet, but he's making plays, especially for Kopitar. And both Kopitar and Kempe have noted that when I've talked to them you know, post-game, talking about what he adds to that line. Now, here comes the tricky part. With Carl Grundstrom probably returning, coming off of IR here very soon, not in time for tonight, but perhaps on this road trip, the Kings are going to have a tough decision ahead of them. Most likely, Rasmus Kapari is going to end up uh, being reassigned back to Ontario, of the AHL, because he doesn't require waivers, and that's going to mean that Byfield is probably going to be down centering the fourth line. They don't have any other centers uh, at this particular moment, short of moving Velarde over. So, it looks like the Kings will probably go with a reconfigured lineup here. Again, not tonight, but soon enough on this road trip. You could see Trevor Moore up with Kopitar and Kempe on the top line. Gabe Velarde could be on the second line with uh, Ardvidsson and Deneau. Or you could even put Velarde up on that top line, which we've seen at different times, 
taking the spot there with Kopitar and Kempe. So it's going to be a reshuffling of the lines. You're probably going to see Byfield down on the fourth line uh, when all is said and done here on the road trip this week. And then it's just a matter of him working his, his way back into probably that 3C. But the way Blake Lazat has been playing with Kevin Fiala, those two seem to have really found some chemistry. Back to your earlier comment, the goals are coming. So uh, Todd McClellan's not going to be uh, probably too inclined to want to shake things up too much. Okay, I didn't get a chance to talk to you last week, but the Mikey Anderson eight-year contract extension, I don't know why I look at these things sideways. I know the league just has an addiction to long-term contracts. They can't help themselves. For former fourth-round draft pick, he's 23 years old, and he's played close to 200 games in the NHL now for the Kings, so he's not a kid anymore. And usually when you sign the youngsters to long-term deals, they end up outplaying the value, and it becomes good for the team. But I still looked at it a little sideways. You've seen enough from Mikey Anderson. Obviously, the Kings have to think he's worthy of a long-term inv- investment. Well, I would say three things, and it's all the same word. Leadership, leadership, leadership. This is a kid who's been targeted to wear a letter for the L.A. Kings prior to ever even turning pro. Back when he was at the University of Minnesota, he was already in a leadership position there. Two-time, uh, not at Minnesota, excuse me, at Minnesota Duluth. Two-time national champion. Also was a captain for Team USA at the World Juniors as well. He oozes confidence and leadership, and it's what all the coaches talk about. He only played a half a year in the American League before he was called up to the NHL, and in less than five games, Todd McClellan was already raving about him. And that's not something that you see from a veteran NHL coach talking about a young player breaking into the NHL. Drew Doughty has raved about him as well. Back to your first question, if they were to go out and acquire Jeff Chikrin, uh, Jacob Chikrin, excuse me, you have to wonder, uh, would Chikrin be on that top pairing with Doughty, or would you use Chikrin on the second pairing? because of how much Doughty likes to play with Mikey Anderson. And then you circle back to the playoffs last year. Uh, Anderson obviously got under the skin of, uh, of McDavid and Dreisaitl, and, and we saw what I call playoff Mikey, a much bigger, more physical version of the way that he plays. He's really proven to be a rock-solid defenseman. And earlier this week, or excuse me, last week, I thought that Rob Blake really gave him uh, almost the ultimate sign of confidence, uh, talking about players here in Los Angeles. Former captain Matty Nordstrom was in town for Dustin Brown's retirement and having referred, I think it was Nelson Emerson actually who referred to Mikey Anderson as, Hey, there's the modern day version of uh, Matthias Nordstrom. That's quite the compliment for a player like Mikey Anderson. So the Kings have seen a lot, not only Drew Doughty and, and, and coach Todd McClellan, but Rob Blake obviously sees a lot in him as well. And I wouldn't be surprised as the leadership continues to turn over uh, here over the next three to five years, wouldn't be surprised to see him wearing a letter and even, even the captain C uh, on his jersey. Mikey Anderson's a big part of the L.A. Kings on the blue line. Last one for you, John. It's the road trip. This is brutal, in my opinion. Uh, they're embarking on a five-game, eight-night road trip. Five and eight on the road is the worst, but when you consider you're going Pacific to Central to East and back to Central, three time zone changes in eight days, and you're playing five good hockey teams. Everything's going right for the Kings right now. This could be the stumbling block. I think if they get through this hurdle, they're going to be great and they're going to be a playoff team. So big week coming up for the Kings. It's funny. This is the third month in a row where they've had that big, crucial road trip. They had a big road trip in December, and then they had a big road trip last, uh, last month in January that was a goofy one where they played some back-to-backs and three and four nights, but also separated by a bunch of time, uh, time off leading into the All-Star break. So you're right. Another big road trip here. They need to get through this Minnesota game, which is going to be a big one when you talk about points in the Western Conference and the playoff standings. Then they have to play three, three good clubs there in, in, in the New York area, 
they do need to weather this storm. And again, they're going to have to figure out what to do it from what to do from a lineup perspective. You saw late in the game the other night where they were having some defensive breakdowns. They kind of took off the second and third after getting out to that big lead on Arizona. And uh, McClellan switched up the line combinations a little bit, shortened his bench in that third period. We'll have to see what he goes with tonight and for the balance of the trip as Grunstrom gets back in. But the other thing to keep in mind that we haven't talked about, Boom, is goaltending. 5-0-1 for Copley in his last uh, you know, six appearances here, uh, seven games. The one, he didn't get the decision there playing in, uh, in Anaheim. But uh, Phoenix Copley is going to get the bulk of the starts, including tonight on this trip. But you figure Jonathan Quick has to get back in there at some point. And uh, what, what will the defense look like in front of him? Because they haven't really uh, given Quick an opportunity to win on most nights, including the other night where the defense went to sleep and, uh, you know, left him out to dry in the second period, which is something Todd pointed out after the game. By the way, John, as I let you go, I was watching the Genesis Invitational all weekend at Riviera in L.A., and I know it's only called in Canada, but everyone was wearing coats. I don't get it. So I'll just let you get back to shoveling your driveway. Hopefully you'll be done in time to watch the game tonight. But thanks for the time as always. You're the man, Boom. It's always good to talk to you. Welcome back, baby.